episode 667 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Thursday, April 4th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm flying solo today. And you're going to hear the podcasts out of order today because this is going to go up before 666, which is going to come out later, which I recorded with Justin this morning. And um, I probably should have had the forethought to number them properly, knowing that this was going to happen, but I forgot. So that's how we're doing it. This is the latest iteration of Call Your Shot. For those of you unfamiliar with it, I ask for your hot takes, unpopular opinions, thought-provoking questions, and this was, of course, regarding the upcoming season. I, I put the call out for this last week, and then I addressed them here. Why didn't I do this right before the season started? Frankly put, I didn't have enough time. I still think it's worthwhile, though not enough has really changed in a week to uh, to render many of these, you know, uh, invalid at this point they might they might have a better or lesser outlook slightly maybe there's some injury ones in here I like to go through these and just kind of do them so uh let's just let's just jump into it some of you might know that that's a reference to something because i say it a lot and i just can't not say it um sweet double negative there but we're gonna start with our boy yancey eaton he says, Tommy Pham is a legitimate dark horse MVP candidate, checks all the boxes, 1071 OPS with the Rays last season, and the offense is even better around him this year. Yeah, I could absolutely see him being an MVP contender. You look at what we have seen in this first week with the decimation of the Yankees, which could give the Rays a little bit more of a a stage to kind of uh, let Pham pedal his wares upon. And, you know, he's got the power, he's got the speed. Kind of that, uh, you know, defense too has kind of got that five-tool aspect to it. Stolen bases are not necessarily like some driving force of the MVP, uh, but I bring it up just to point out that he's he's kind of got all of the tools there. So yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Now my boy Healy, the Healy Six. I don't know if I can give this one as far as being that hot of a take. He says Chris Bryant finishes top four in MVP voting. It is a little. You know, there's a little flair to it because uh, he's coming off the shoulder issue last year. But he's a he's a MVP winner, so that one you know you got you got to be a little bit further out there, like Tommy Pham, something like that. Uh, at Marcos Men 12, I'll give you an unpopular opinion: Red Sox bullpen and inconsistency, besides Chris Sale in the rotation, causes the Red Sox to miss the playoffs. I tell you what, again, these all came before the season started. These came on March 27th which was uh, Wednesday. Uh, some might have trickled in later. I'm trying to keep an eye on the date here and only read the ones from the 27th. But damn, a week in. This one's looking good. But it's a week. You know, we're not uh, we're not putting a W on any of these yet. But it's funny that, you know, he excluded Sale from that consideration, and yet his, his starts have been two of the more uh, scary ones for Red Sox fans to watch. I definitely worry about that bullpen outside of uh, Barnes and Brazier, who Justin and I talk about on episode 666, which you're going to hear later. But yeah, I, I could certainly see this. I, th- this is not implausible. I don't want to overreact to the week and say, oh, this is definitely happening. But it's certainly something that uh, that you could see at this point. At Amanda Rykoff says, Walker or Cy Young. You know, I'm sure someone will be like, oh, that's not that bold. Of course it is. Of course it is. You're talking about a sophomore coming in. I don't care how well he did. To, to tab them with a Cy Young pick, that's that's bold, and I like it. You know, He popped 137 excellent innings last year in a really nice playoff. 
And there's still, especially when you consider that he's in the league of Degrom and Max Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer, that alone makes it a bold pick. So I like it staking out there and uh, going going for the 24 year old Dodgers righty. Now his first start didn't quite go as planned, but it's one start. It's gonna be fine. Uh, at Russell Eason, or excuse me, at R Eason, E A S S O M, says in regards to F War. Chris Archer, better than Jamison Tyon. Anthony Rendon, better than Bryce Harper. Mm. By the way, I got to meet Russell at the Fangraphs meetup in Phoenix. I'm going to have to disagree with the Tyon one for sure. Everyone knows how much I love Tyon, so I'm, I'm not accepting that. Get out of here with that. But the Rendon one. And this it's less negative of Harper and more positive of Rendon that I can get behind this one. Yeah, I could definitely see that, especially if Harper's defense wasn't just like a, you know, kind of coast and sort of deal, you know, because I, I kind of thought, I think you could make a case of that. He used to run into the walls and just play a hair on fire, and I feel like he started to tone that down, and he might have toned it down in extra gear last year going into his walking. Now, I don't know for sure, and... um I don't necessarily think it's a terrible idea if he was just to pre- preserve himself as far as like running into stuff, but it seemed to impact his defense. He, he was pretty brutal defensively last year, Harper was, whereas Rendon's a pretty sharp third baseman. So even if the offense is close, the defense could sway it towards Rendon. So I like that. Archer looks sharp in his first one. I've always been a Chris Archer guy, but uh, give me tie on for sure uh, between those two. At Avery M. Kindred says... Domingo Santana will lead the Mariners to a potential wildcard berth and put himself in MVP contention. Now, for Mariners and A's ones, they did have those two games to whet their appetite and really start start to freak out about. And Domingo Santana was definitely one of the standouts over in Japan. But he hasn't slowed down since coming back. Uh, in his 39 plate appearances, he's at 303, 410, 636 with three homers, two steals, and AL high 11 ribbies. I mean, he's beasting. And, you know, let's not forget, 875 OPS, 30 homers, 15 steals back in 2017. I don't know about the wild card berth, although I'm not going to rule it out. I just don't think they have the pitching. We'll, we'll see what what Trader Jerry can do to uh, get some pitching behind Gonzalez and Kikuchi and get the bullpen shape, shaped up because, you know, Strickland was looking good and then he got hurt. And he suffered, uh, I think, a lat strain, and that's going to keep him out for a while. So that's a huge bummer. But as far as Santana goes, dig it. My boy Chris Wells at Is It The Welsh. Whataburger greater than in and out. I said bold. I said bold, not amazingly correct takes. Come on now. Jason Collette, y'all ever heard of him? Now, he's going away from the Walker Bueller. He doesn't quite agree with Amanda. He's going to say Zach Wheeler, Cy Young. And again, if you're going NL that really isn't DeGrom, Scherzer, I think pretty much anyone I, I would be fine. You know, I, I, I'll give you a little head nod for boldness if you're going anyone outside of those two. But Wheeler definitely qualifies, probably at an even higher degree than what we, what we see with Bueller. But both are great, actually. And so, um, you know, 182 strong innings out of Zach Wheeler last year, 331 ERA, 112 whip. Slow start in his first one, nothing crazy. I mean, slow meaning like four runs in five innings. Who, who cares? I mean, he put a, you know, seven base runners, uh, you know, seven strikeouts, one walk. I am not worried. That's a perfectly fine start. It's fine. 
And so he's you know he's often running with seven strikeouts in five innings. I do like that for Zach Wheeler. So that that one's interesting. I like that one. And I was I was you know pro Wheeler coming into the season here. So I'd love to see something like that just because he's a fun pitcher to watch. He wins with a big fastball. And I love starters who win with, you know, fastball command and, and a real dominant heater. Even if it's not necessarily dominant velo-wise, which Wheeler's is good velo-wise, but it's not like he's just popping 100 left and right. It's command and control with the pitch as well. Jordan Hicks with 40 saves. Well, we'll see. We'll see how the save situation shakes out there. They have two saves as a team, and Dakota Hudson and John Gant have them. What I do like so far in the short three and a third innings that we've seen out of Jordan Hicks is that he has four strikeouts to one walk. So that's very encouraging. Um, you can obviously still get 40 saves. You, you're going to have saveless weeks in a given season anyway. So the fact that he doesn't have any now doesn't mean you should necessarily change the outlook of 40. He can absolutely still get it. Now, if he had like three already, of course, that'd be great. But I don't think it really changes it. At MLB Moving Average, that's ABG, the uh, the shortened, the abbreviation of average. Everyone hates the Royals but me. Royals win 70 games and finish third in their division. I don't know that saying a team is going to win 70 games is anything but hate. But the third in the division, I think, is is what you're what you're leaning on more. I, I can get behind that. Um, you know, it's certainly plausible. Mondesi and Witt run wild in front of 35 bombs from O'Hearn, and Soler stays healthy with a top 35 outfield return. Junis and Keller both take steps forward. So I like bits and pieces here. Um, Mondesi and Witt running wild. Yep, 35 bombs from O'Hearn. Hell yeah, I just put out my portfolio for 2019, and he is part of that, so go take a look at that piece. I love Ryan O'Hearn, and I like Jorge Soler too. You know, Eno, when he was on the show back when Soler was with the Cubs, we used to talk a lot about Soler. You know, was definitely in on him, and you know, I I, I bought in with with you know about Soler's you know exquisite talents set, and he had nine homers and three stolen bases in his sixty one games last year before injury cut him down. He was kind of on the way to the breakout. He had an eight twenty OPS to go with it, so I could certainly believe at age twenty seven that uh, Jorge Soler finally gets it going. That. Okay, this is part hot, part not. The twin. This is at uh, at Derek Bredesen, B R E D E S O N, says the Twins win the AL Central and Buxton goes thirty thirty. I don't think it's at all bold, and this is before they had a brutal week. But I don't think it's that bold to put the Twins winning the Central. I did not like Cleveland's off season. I am absolutely concerned about them. Their offense is utterly dreadful week in. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to overrate the week and, and do confirmation bias just because of how I felt coming in. N- nothing makes me change the concerns, though. Like, you know, their lineup is anemic outside of Ramirez and Lindor, and Lindor's not due back for a little bit still. So, no. But the Bucks thing going 30-30, now that, that's the one that's really interesting. You know, we saw Buxton crash into a wall the other day on a play – he didn't seem to have any chance at, and I get that he's an elite defender, and I don't want to take that away from Buxton because that is a, a massive part of his value, and at some points it's his only value. But you you want to be smart about it, like that crash into the wall didn't seem to have any any value. You weren't closer to catching the ball that turned into an inside the park homer from Mondesi. Instead, you just put yourself in harm's way. 
and you know, thankfully, it doesn't look like he's going to be hurt. But I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like that. As for thirty thirty, uh, obviously, there's no way he's doing that. Famous last words, I'm sure. But um, it, that's a very interesting one, and it definitely qualifies as bold. You're calling your shot. You're 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 fulfilling what we're trying to do here. At M Townsend underscore seventy seven, JBJ hits thirty homers and is a top fifteen outfielder. Yes, I love that. I'm in on the uh, the JBJ train. I mean. Longtime fan, I just I'm slightly obsessed with uh, high-end defenders. I don't know that that's really the best thing to be obsessed with in fantasy baseball, since like literally no league <laughs> rewards defense. But the way you get rewarded with it is playing time, of course, and playing time is such a currency in fantasy baseball that I, I definitely see its value there. But yeah, I've always liked uh, JBJ and, and been really hoping that he could sustain. You know, he's shown flashes. He had that big 2016, but now we're a few years removed from that. And he had two subpar seasons in 17 and 18. But he did start to click a bit last year um, in the summer. And working with JD Martinez is never a bad thing, especially if you're trying to unlock some pop. Haven't seen a homer yet from JBJ could absolutely see the top 15 and even the 30. I, I, I could see that. Like, that's obviously a, a um, you know, bold prediction, top end of the spectrum sort of thing, but it's not implausible. I'm sure some folks are dismissing it. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't outright dismiss it. Let's see. At um, Jeff underscore Zell. This one's an interesting one because it's, it's, you know, it's a shorter time window. It's another Byron Buxton one. Ten homers. And more walks than strikeouts by June 1st. I like that. So, Jeff, we could check in with you earlier than most of, most of these are just season long. You're going to have to hustle, though. Five strikeouts, zero walks so far, and no homers. So he's already he's already taken a week from you. I think the 10 homers is much more likely than the more walks than strikeouts. The more walks than strikeouts is definitely, definitely what makes it uh, the the absolute boldness here. All right, uh, at Big Asian 35, Crush Davis, comeback player of the year, belts 35 homers and has a .1 war. That's hilarious. So, like, awful or no defense and then, like, mediocre slash line around the 35 homers. You know, because he was going to play every day, I, I do have uh, a share of Chris Davis. In fact, let me, let me confirm that it's just one. Did I make too many mistakes? Let's see. Yeah, just the one. And it's in a 50-round 50, 50 draft and hold, thinking, you know, it's like the 42nd round. Dude's going to play. Yeah, I'll do it. Um, he's 0 for 14 so far. <laughs> With four walks. Again, that doesn't matter. It's a week. But uh, I don't know, man. It, it, it kind of sucks. Like, I don't really root for pe- people to fail. Like, I don't, you know. It's not really fun. I'm I'm always trying to root for guys to succeed, and if I don't like players, I just kind of you know put them off to the side and and go about my day. Um, outside of some joke players that I definitely go against, and Jonathan Papelbon, who I just don't like, he just seems very unlikable. But you know, you go from 147 to 110 to 96 to 50 on the uh, the OPS plus scale. Sorry, there I was on his his uh, baseball reference page. But man, just such a colossal fall off. And you just thought there'd be some aging to the skills that could sustain. Even understanding that the batting average was going to be trash, you thought that the walks would uphold the OBP and that the power would continue. And yet everything's dried up on Chris Davis. You know, he had a therapeutic use exemption for Adderall back in the day. 
Now, I don't know if that's something that, you know, it's, it seems like maybe he needs it. I don't know. Like, is it something? Because then that's when he got popped for a PED suspension, it was for using the Adderall because he didn't have the exemption for it. And I could see, obviously, how it is uh, a PED. So I don't know. Maybe they just said that, you know, it wasn't a legit diagnosis. I, I don't have details there, and I don't want to speculate and start uh, throwing stuff around on somebody. But I do wonder if maybe that's something that, if he got that exemption back, would tap back into uh, what we knew of Chris Davis. At F. Gervasi, G-E-R-V-A-S-I. Matt Strom is the best Padres starter this year. Julio Urias outperforms all other Dodgers starters on a per-inning basis. Got to get that per-inning basis in there because there's just no way. Well, I shouldn't say no way, but it's going to be remarkably, remarkably, remarkably difficult for Urias to do it on a full-scale uh, situation because his innings are going to be so limited where even if the other guys kind of have their normal innings limits that fall short of you know 200, they're still going to get more innings than Arias. So I like it on the per inning. You know, that, that makes sense. I can totally see that. You got to be feeling good about that one so far after five innings, uh, five shutout innings with three hits, seven strikeouts, no walks. But I think he's going to get a, one more start and then go to the bullpen for a bit. So they're going to bounce him around. But he's nasty, dude. And I love seeing him succeed because I was really worried after that shoulder capsule injury to Urias. It, it's known to be a devastating injury, and I think it's ruined some careers. So I was worried, you know, and I was just kind of fading Urias overall. Like, I, let's just kind of wait and see. Let's hope. He's still just 22, though. That's the beauty. It's like he did kind of, you know, he missed some time. It kind of fell off a little bit in terms of where, where he was on, on the development chart. And now he comes back, and he's still so, so, so young. So Julio Arias is still special, and I love that. Matt Strom obviously had a dud in his first start. You're not going to be fully dissuaded by that, except for the fact that the velo was way down. I think that if you're going to take anything from that from that brutal start in Arizona where Matt Strom couldn't get anything done, it's that he dropped um, you know, almost three full uh, ticks off of his velocity from 93.5 to 90.9. And yes, he went from starting or from bullpen to starting, but I think we were still expecting the shift to be maybe a, maybe a mile per hour or so. But I want to say that the velocity was, you know, holding the, the bullpen level in, in spring training. So I don't know. Let me check some of his 2018. He did have a few starts. So let's see what he was doing when he was starting in 2018 here. And then we can get an idea of if I'm full of crap, which I generally am because I'm a clown. Uh, let's see, pitch time. You got to do this with me, y'all. Could I edit it out? Sure. Am I gonna? Nope. All right, so his first start, 92.9, and then he had four starts in a row. That's how he got his five. And it was 93, 93.8, 93.6, 92.8. So there's a reasonable expectation for Matt Strom to maintain his bullpen velocity in the rotation. So the fact that he's down to 90.9, that was the the nerve-wracking part in addition to the fact that he couldn't command a single thing. So, you know, it's still just one start, no matter how we slice it. And if he gets his VLO back his next time out, everyone's going to breathe a sigh of relief. At Ray Ray Jones A uh, says, Kike Hernandez continues his Justin Turnerization top 10 second baseman. I love this one. Talking about players that I am just a fan of that are kind of, you know, off the beaten path a little bit like Jackie Bradley Jr. They're not the superstars. Kike Hernandez is definitely somebody that I just love watching him play. And he's like 
definitely a, a clubhouse favorite because of his uh, personality and attitude. Love guys like that. They're they're impossible to not root for, really. And you know he exploded with 21 homers last year. And then it looked like, okay, well, is he going to come into the season on the short end of a platoon and and maybe just get some starts against second baseman when Chris while Chris Taylor starts. And then they shifted late, and it was clear that he, Kike Hernandez, was going to start. And Taylor was going to be the one who was bounced around. And Kike Hernandez has rewarded that decision with a fast start. He's 10 for 23 with three yaks. So, yeah, I agree that his just internalization is going to continue. And once it became clear that he was a starter, I tried to start snapping up uh, shares of him. And I ended up with a few here. Let's see what I've got on my Hernandez shares. Uh, do do just the one yeah so i got the one in the beat paul sport two league and you know kind of wish I, i'd have gotten more obviously after somebody hits three home runs in a week but just in general i love the positional flexible guys and so you know the fact that he has outfield second and short and could probably add something in season would be great i got a couple as Drupal cabreras i don't think i got any pro far i think his price was maybe just a little bit higher than i was willing to pay but kike hernandez He's nice. I like him a lot. Here's one on the other side of the spectrum for the Dodgers. At Comac Doe. Since it's McDonald, or do I say Comac Do? Since Do is, is definitely Do. I, I don't know. Comac Do. All right, there. Now you know how to spell it. The Dodgers missed the playoffs. Wowzers. Nope. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Maybe. It's possible. Anything's possible. That's that's trite and stupid. No, I don't I don't see that. It's bold though. I like that. You're coming in hot. That's what I asked for. I want you to come in hot so I can swat you down. Basically, this is just for me to dikembe the hell out of all of you. Um, so yeah, you know the the more outlandish you get, the dumber I can say you are. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But no, I like that. That is that is something out there that's bold. Uh, interesting that you bring the, or that I read this one on this particular day because pre-show when, when Justin and I recorded because it's already recorded and that's why it's going to come out later and that's why I could have put it in the appropriate order but I didn't. Um, we were talking about the Dodgers and now he's a Dodgers hater. He tries to temper his bias sometimes, but he was saying some some wild stuff. They're not even that good. I'm like, what team are you looking at? Like they're leading the division. You know, who cares? One league, but they're five and two with Muncie, Seager, and Turner doing nothing because of how amazingly deep they are. And they're pitching. Um, you know, Buer did nothing. Kershaw's not even playing. This team is insane. This team's absolutely insane. They're making the playoffs. At Sox1027204, says Miguel Andujar already has, his, has already had his career year. That's probably true. Obviously, um... This one had a little pain thrown its way and you know, made the Sox guy look a little bit more correct because Andahar's out with a shoulder injury and could miss the entire season. But this this obviously isn't one that, that gets to play out until the career's over. But I mean, the way the aging curve works, it's, it's likely true. When you come out and you drop that kind of season, generally speaking... Uh, the, the work that Jeff Zimmerman's done suggests that you come up at your best, you do your thing, and then you start to slowly it, you plateau and then trickle down. So very well could be. 27 homers, 47 doubles, 92 ribs, 83 runs, 297, 328, 527. Yeah, 
that's that's certainly possible even, uh, even outside of just the the situation with the shoulder which hopefully he's all right but uh, it, it unfortunately doesn't look good will Myers stays healthy and comes close to a 30 30 season and will provide great profit for your fantasy teams that's from mike underscore kirkland yeah i mean he can definitely do that the only reason i would push back on this one with a little bit of bold uh, in terms of saying it's not as bold as perhaps it could be is because he's already done that and so for will myers you know to to have a bold prediction you'd have to go beyond he had a 20 28 28 season followed by a 30 20 season so you might have to say to to really hit that boldometer or that hot takeometer 40 40 you might say something like that so can i get you on for, can I get you on the record for 40 40 for a thousand dollars if not you're weak you have to bet me a thousand dollars and i bet nothing if i lose i don't pay anything and if um and if he doesn't go 40 40 you give me a thousand dollars otherwise don't come at me with these takes dog i'm kidding at capping crunch that's c-a-p-p-n-g crunch you know how to spell crunch and if you don't you got bigger issues than listening to this podcast. Luke Voigt will be the next J.D. Martinez. Get out of here. He does next in the next tweet offer some reasoning. Metrics are scary similar to J.D.'s partial breakout many years ago. Fitz model of power bat that was blocked then went to a new team. Changed his ground ball tilt completely. Hard hit rates say the batting average is sustainable based on baseball HQ uh, expected batting average and expected power index metrics. Hey, you put some solid reasoning up there. I just love J.D. Martinez, so don't come for my king. But uh, I know that there's a lot of Luke Voigt love this year, and didn't he club like a three-run homer? Was it was it opening day or just opening weekend? I, I, I know he popped one. Let me see here. Yeah, it was opening day, and, you know, people were taking that victory lap. You know how they do, the way I did with uh, Ian Happ, like an idiot. He has two hits since then. He's going to be fine. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued by Luke Voigt this year. He wasn't somebody I was super in on at all. In fact, I I don't want to say I was avoiding him because I, I wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, he's available now. Run away. I just had so many other guys in his tier that I liked that I didn't have to. I was never put to the test where he's the guy left on my board and do I take Luke Voigt here. I just never had to, to deal with that. Adam at Adam Burnsdorf really gets me here because he uses my, one of my favorites against me with one of my favorites. He says, Joe Musgrove out earns Jamison Tyon. Stop trying to make people out earn Jamison Tyon, you jerks. Jesus. Ridiculous. I do love Joe Musgrove, though. So that one's tough. I'm still going to say no, but uh, Jamison Tyon, Joe Musgrove, one and two in Cy Young voting. Suck it, nerds. Austin, oh, uh, at Paper... P-A-Y-P-E-R. Paper cliche. As opposed to paper mache or something. I don't know. Clever. I like it. Austin Barnes outperforms Gary Sanchez by a lot. He said he just put dot, dot, dot by a lot. Don't know exactly what that is. It's for us to interpret, but that's interesting. I do love Austin Barnes, but I think Gary Sanchez is going to be fine and have a hell of a season. So that one's a tough one. That'd be something else, though. My Austin Barnes shares would love it. Besides, selfishly, I'm here for all that. I do have uh, four Austin Barnes. He is among my my most rostered guy. Uh, again, go check out my portfolio piece. You can learn more about that. But yeah, I, I dig Barnes quite a bit. So that'd be sweet. I don't think it's going to happen. He also says Jorge Soler ends up as a top 25 batter, not just outfielder, batter. 
So there's some Jorge Soler love, and I'm intrigued by it. Like I said, I, I covered what he did last year. I could totally see that. Tom Glasspool at Gpool at Gpool 200 says Luke Voigt has more homers than Jesus Aguilar. Yeah, yeah, that that one. I think that one fits the you know. It, it, there's boldness there, given what Aguilar did. Um, you know, with his 35 homers last year, and yet. I could see it. I think there there is some validity to that. That that one's an interesting one. I do want to see uh, what Aguilar does for a follow up too. I, I have him as a keeper in one league, one dollar keeper. I don't want to say what I traded for him because it's very embarrassing now, but after the fact. So let's just move on from that. At Biblioteca Man, I don't think this is the right way to spell Biblioteca, so I'll just tell y'all. B I B L I O. T-E-C-A-M-A-N. Let me see how you spell Biblioteca. Oh, maybe it is. It's just that straightforward. Why did I think there would be something else? For some reason, I thought there was an H in there, like Biblioteca with an H. I don't know, dude. Do you guys ever remember the uh, the Biblioteca thing on Community? I'm going to play it right now. I don't know if you'll hear it, though. Let me see if this is going to work. This is 38 seconds, so skip ahead 38 seconds. Man, if you didn't watch Community, I highly recommend it. Fantastic show. Certainly died off a bit there as it uh, as it dragged on. Didn't care. That's one of those ones I stayed committed to till the end. Brilliant show. And anytime I hear the word biblioteca, that's that's what I hear. Anyway, on to uh, Pedro's tweet. Bauer proved correct, and the Astros get busted for cheating. It's interesting. It's interesting. Google Trevor Bauer Astros if you're unfamiliar with what happened with all of that. At Evans Eric 10, Scott Kingery goes 2020. That'd be interesting, right? Because I don't know where he's gonna find the playing time, but you never, you know, that that's not that's not a reason to dismiss that. Of course. We've talked about that all winter into the spring of don't just say, hey, this guy doesn't have playing time, so we don't know what, what could happen. Because that's gonna be your biggest mistake. You have to be open to the fact that things are going to change. I mean, look at the guys on the Yankees who probably didn't have clear path to playing time. Now they're all playing, and then some because they're just getting absolutely devastated by injuries. This stuff comes fast, man. You start watching games. You know, I've been noticing this with all the injuries too. And like, obviously, baseball is not football. It's not hockey. It's not even basketball with regards to the contact. But they are putting it on their bodies here. The idea that the you know. Um, that that baseball is just this lackadaisical sport and i understand that they have some of the more interesting athletes uh you know guys dh in the first base they're portly or, or really small guys or whatever you know they have a nice range of athletic type that doesn't mean they're not out there busting their humps dude you know i saw uh tyler austin kind of run backwards into the tarp 
and you know the tarp is rolled up onto either a hard plastic or a metal cylinder and he just ran his back into that and it sent shockwaves through my back like no joke like you know how you feel the sympathy pain or whatever like that shit hurt and the buxton thing i mentioned the other day i'm like that has to hurt and guys getting hit by pitches all the time trey turner obviously smashed his finger but just more the more innocuous hit by pitches um you know they're putting their bodies out there and some of the stuff that we just see as eh that happened is like no that is severe and just because there's not a bone sticking out after uh, a rough slide or something doesn't mean that they didn't potentially put themselves in major harm's way and could have an injury so anyway that brings us back to the scott kingry thing on 2020 philly's riding high things are going great i'm not predicting injury frankly because i can't it's impossible to but shit happens all the time and so if his spot came open if, if something came open, which it could be just about anything except for Real Muto, I guess, because no matter who gets hurt, you could figure something out probably to get Kingery in the lineup. Then he could go 2020. I thought he was an interesting buyback this year. I love this one because I've been I've been kind of willing this into existence. I, I have an AL and NL version of, of this particular player. At Radic M says Xander Bogarts finishes 320 plus, 30 homers plus, 30 plus homers, 110 plus RBIs, and is the AL MVP. I love this. And my my NL analog is Anthony Rendon. I just love both these guys. I think they're right on the cusp of superstardom. Either could be like this year's Yelich and just really explode. So yeah, I, I definitely think that this is this is a good one here. You know, he's kind of shown the skills to do any of those in in a given season but he's never put it all together in fact he has a 320 season um he has a 23 homer season last year that if you uh, extrapolate it he only played 136 games uh, starts to approach 30 he also had 103 ribbies that year um i mean he's never been you know mvp he was 13th last year which is probably just a cursory vote or three but yeah, Xander Bogarts is an absolute monster, and he doesn't really get a whole lot of burn on Boston as far as the attention, but you understand it with uh, with Betts and, and Martinez. There. Not that Bogarts is some hidden, you know, nobody talks about him, just that he doesn't get the full-scale burn the way he would on a team that wasn't superstar loaded. Like, put him on just a, a, a solid average team. Let me think, like, I don't know. I mean you know, put him on Pittsburgh and, you know, we wouldn't shut the hell up about him. It would just be like Xander Bogars is and it, it, like when McCutcheon was there, because, you know, he's that he's that kind of upper scale player, but he's just a little bit hidden on a team that has even higher scale players. So I love Xander Bogarts. I absolutely believe that he he has an AL MVP worthy season in in his career coming, ideally this year, because I have him in in the main event so that'd be that'd be really sweet although no i'm not going to get into last year's main event it didn't go well folks don't want to talk about it uh let's see oh juan soto is not a top 40 outfielder add zach uh, with an h underscore evan underscore that one man so I assume, you know, you didn't put an injury caveat there because that'd be lame as shit anyway. I would not let any of those pass. And he gets injured and doesn't, you know, it's like, okay, who cares? So you're assuming, you know, he's going to play the bulk of the year, you know, enough games to to be a full-timer and still not. 
that's tough. I just love his plate skills so much. I think he hit his first or second homer recently. I, that one, you know, you came with the boldness there. I said bold. I said, you know, unpopular opinions, hot takes. I wanted you to bring some thunder. That, my guy, is some thunder. Soto's another one of those guys that I didn't really get anywhere because it just didn't work out for what I was doing. But I respect the player. I, I like the profile. I don't see that happening. I am having a hard time coming up with a plausible scenario how it happens if he doesn't um, get hurt. Top 40 outfielder. Because I feel like his his plate skills and bat-to-ball skills for Juan Soto is going to keep that average at a particular level. And So even if he only hits, say... I don't know, 13 home runs or something. Like 13, like in a full season, I'm talking, you know, f- over 500 plate appearances, 13 home runs, 280. The requisite runs and ribbies for being on a solid team, probably something in the 70s again, like he did last year, with two stolen bases. He already has one. So, you know, he could even match last year's five for Juan Soto. It's just hard to envision a scenario where he really craters. But you did come with the thunder on the boldness. At L Dillard 88, Steven Matz out earns Zach Wheeler in standard roto leagues. Jason Collette would like a word with you. I don't think he agrees. Giants trade four of oh uh, at MSW Jeff. Giants trade four of Crawford, Bumgarner, Pomerantz, Watson, Will Smith, and finish with the worst record in the NL. I don't know if this is really bold. It should just be their game plan. Because I don't know what the hell they're doing trading for Kevin Pillar. I got no issues with Kevin Pillar. He's a solid player. He's going to chase down some stuff in that spacious outfield. The hell they need him for, though? I don't understand. Silly. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Here's one. At Blake will watch. Correct me if I'm wrong, but fantasy baseball players have always considered themselves analytically ahead of the game. So why are we still using wins and saves? Why haven't we changed yet? That, that's a pretty pretty good question. I mean, it's, it's a fair question. But I think part of it is that, yes, we consider ourselves analytically ahead of the game or at least uh, you know analytically with the game as much as we can be trying to use advanced stats in our analysis. But there's still that, that aspect of volatility with wins, saves. I think you could even include stolen bases here. That, I don't know, it adds some fun to it. I'm sure some of you are like, I don't have any fun chasing saves or... or Losing out on wins when uh, when my when my guy pitches well but doesn't get the support from the bullpen and or offense, but I mean, and sure we're never going to be to a point where we know everything to you know ahead of ahead of schedule or ahead of the season. But if we ever you know if we if we use more and more of the stats that just have the strongest correlations to repeat, I feel like you know you're gonna take some of that juice out of it of the volatility and listen i understand the the um the knock on fantasy football if, if you're so inclined to knock it is the the sheer volatility of it it is a remarkably volatile game first off touchdowns are the flukiest thing possible and there's also just the aspect of we have no idea what the hell the offense is going to do before the week because there's no the teams are not inc- incentivized in any way, shape, or form to let us know that because then they'd be letting the defense know that. 
But in baseball, it's mono and mono. And sure, we don't know the, the pitching approach that someone's going to take against a batter, although we can kind of figure it out. Uh, to a degree, ideally, you know, if uh, if some dude can't hit sliders and he's coming to face a pitcher who has this amazing slider, depending on if you're like a, uh, a daily league type of guy and you want to micromanage, maybe you'd take him out for that, depending on how good of a player he was. You wouldn't do it with your superstar because you never know. But th- they can't they can't hide. You know, they can't just go away. They're going to get their four cracks at it. Whereas your receiver might not get any looks because they shut him down. And so that's why there's so much more volatility in football. But this is our way to kind of keep some volatility and, and, you know, have things play out a little bit more crazily. I don't know. I'm not against uh, quality starts. I'm not against holds. Although holds are not analytical. They're just adding value to middle relievers who become more and more important in the game. I don't know. Like, Like I said, you know, I just don't know that it bothers me that much. In the end, while wins can be fluky as hell, I, and of course Jacob Degrom's season last year is is you know front and center on that, but it's not like he wasn't still very fantasy valuable. And you look at the guys who led in wins, and they're all from you know strong teams. Blake Snell twenty one. Uh, and I say strong teams instead of playoff teams because I almost said playoff teams, and obviously these teams didn't all make the playoffs, but they were all strong clubs for the most part. 20 for uh, Kluber on Cleveland, 19 for Severino on the Yankees, Scherzer, 18, Nationals, Michaelis, 18, Cardinals, um, Cubs, Phillies, Indians, Rockies, split season with Hap with the Blue Jays and Yankees. Not obviously the Blue Jays weren't that good, but the Yankees uh, were awesome. Let me see how many, let me see what his split was there. Uh, He did get 10 of them. He won seven out of 11 with the Yankees. So it certainly helped being there. But I mean, it's like, it's not like the wins are coming from the, the scrubs and the best guy. We still have an idea of how to, use analytics for for wins it's just you analyze the offense maybe or you analyze the bullpen you know the team context a little bit but i i get the question but i don't necessarily think that just because we use uh some some of the flukier based stats like these uh like wins and saves and stolen bases that it's necessarily bad for the game i don't know if i want to play in a fantasy woba league you know, I, that doesn't that doesn't seem that fun because batting average would be another one. I, I'm actually surprised you didn't include batting average um, because the flukiness of batting average is, is kind of fun. It really is. I don't know. At, at the end of the day, we're still trying to have fun here. And I don't have any problem with OBP leagues. I play in them, but I don't I don't um I don't freak out if it's an average league. I mean, the standard five by five categories, I have no issue with. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of meandering here and I'm not really getting to a, a full answer. I, I'm just, I'm intrigued by this. I, I really am. But I, I kind of like that there is some, some flukiness still. I, I, I think there, I think there should be. And so that's okay by me. But I'm going to end it on that one. I appreciate everyone contributing to the Call Your Shots. This is now 10 episodes deep. We'll do another one soon. Um, probably 
close a uh, few weeks closer toward the end of the month like what's your you know call your shot after the first month and we'll, we'll get some people saying some crazy stuff like tim beckham mvp chris sale waiver wire fodder etc etc but thank you guys so much for listening and contributing to these i really enjoy it and uh, I, I, I do have a blast. And as always, I'll give my hat tip to Anthony Fantano. This is a direct ripoff of his Let's Argue series. And uh, I really do enjoy it. So enjoy this episode. Now I've said enjoy about 500 times in the last two sentences. And then enjoy 666 after this, which is going to come out uh, night. I guess this is going to be kind of early evening if you're on the East Coast for this one. If you're listening to it right away. And then the 666 will come out uh, I don't know, around 8.30-ish uh, Central Time. So, thank you. Goodbye.